0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 208 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I am Kurt, joined once again this week by my contradictorily named forbidden co-hosts, Jake
1: and Peter. This week. Coming at it's you order. <laughs> With the depleted uranium Cowtail edition It has greater penetrating power What? Your I like favorite... cowtails I know And now your cowtail can cow-tales. bury Through three inch thick steel
2: Oh That's upsetting I don't want that I like, it has... I like the plain ones
1: <laughs> It has the stopping power of a dump truck <laughs>
2: I got
0: that. Have you ever had like the other flavors of cowtail?
2: Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Most of
0: them are pretty bad. Why
2: was the chocolate one bad? I don't understand it. Chocolate's usually never bad
0: because it's the caramel and the cream that work so well together.
2: And then they're like, hey, let's throw strawberry in for that one person who wrote to us and was like,
0: hey, try strawberry. That's a good flavor, right? They have a caramel apple one. And it was like, oh,
2: God. Coutels, stop! That's that's a a company that just went too far.
0: That's like
2: a no no. Just like pop tarts.
1: Yeah, Yeah. where where did the line stop with pop tarts? I'll tell you where it stopped
0: when they like started drawing a line on their pop tarts and make these horrible Frankenstein (laughs) abominations. The splits, like who is that for? I think what they lo- mad scientist is like what? I want to eat two flavors of pop tart at the same time and they're never like complementary flavors either they're like radically different
1: yeah. I'm I just I'm looking at this now like I this I wasn't surprised I'm not surprised just disappointed <laughs> uh, I think
2: they lost touch when they like took off the frosting and they're like look at our naked pop tarts look at how <laughs> zany we are and I'm like no no
1: Put the frost back on, please. Yeah. Your crappy well, dough is not why we go here.
2: I hey, don't... Try, try to freeze them.
1: I see frosted but strawberry dude, and fucking... drizzled cheesecake. Drizzled cheesecake just sounds wrong.
2: Sounds like something um, you would order in
1: a, a, a brothel. One does so not a... drizzle a cheesecake.
0: <laughs> Another reason um, why you should never be a vegan Is because then you can't have frosting on your Pop Darts. You have to eat the naked one. And is that really a life you want to live? No. Ask yourself that question.
1: I don't think vegans want to live the life they (laughs) live. You're consuming the idle shitposts of an overfed team of food scientists. It's like with jelly beans, where they just let them go and they just go too hard. They're like, you guys can do whatever you want. And they're like, they're at the back of the flavor compound manual. They're like, uh salmon. Balsamic vinegar salmon. Okay, yeah, put it in the jelly bean. Put it in the well, jelly bean. It'll just it'll, it'll go into Birdie Botts flavors. I don't give a fuck. Hey that was Bill, the...
2: I had I had I had uh artichokes last night. Let's try that.
0: I've, That's what kids it,
2: want. Artichoke hearts in the jelly beans.
0: Uh fun fact. I've been to both Jelly Belly factories in the United States.
2: Oh, nice! Do they have those mad scientist flavor boys back there? I've never them. seen them. Yeah, they keep them. They keep them hidden for a reason. That's their that's their cash cow. If they ever if they ever lost them,
0: <laughs> they chained they'd just be to a like, desk oh, what do in the. Do? In their lab <laughs> <laughs> work.
2: Oh, I forgot to tell everybody where we're coming from, guys. We're coming from a flying saucer today, live spinning around.
1: Crewed Zoom by the space, by the greatest crew this side of your local <laughs> McDonald's.
2: Yeah, full of
0: uh, crewed by Frank Drebin and the rest of the police squad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just a bunch of a uh, couple of drunks. We got. Just. Yeah. Some, uh, some uh, What is it? Some, uh, sexual predators <laughs> yeah. Deviants Just gotta Looking for all ways to exploit Alien women And teaching them the ways about
1: Healthy <laughs> <see> fu- kissing <laughs> Fucking around on the job Just generally goofing off. Yeah, that's
0: like some of the stuff. I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, this movie would not fly today. This
1: this is what a squad of actual boomers is like on a space mission. Uh, We're, of course, talking about the Seminole film, not to be confused with the uh, Seminole Nation, uh, Forbidden Planet. Not so forbidden. There was never any forbidding coming down. They were... Welcomed down... Well, they were not welcomed down to the planet, but they were allowed to land. (laughs) They were allowed in the room. They were never said, You cannot come in here.
0: (laughs) Uh, Naming conventions aside, yes, this is a... uh, a nice piece of sci-fi from the era of sci-fi that I really enjoy. Um the these sci-fi as you know you can see behind me the day of the year stood still i think that came out the yep. same here uh one of my favorite movies and uh you know while i would not put uh this one quite in in that rarefied air um it's it's a good piece of business
1: <laughs> yep um this one this episode is actually recommended to us
0: yes that's true uh listener of ours uh, said uh. You know why don't you take a look at Forbidden Planet, and I was like, okay, we'll take a look at Forbidden Planet.
2: And uh, I was thinking about it, and I think it's important that we, you know, go back to our roots and uh, see what uh, maybe some inspiration. Because you got to think like the people who are making a lot of the movies that we're seeing today, or maybe. Some of the movies that we saw, in like the for the '90s stuff, uh, they were inspired by some of these older movies. I mean, this came out in 1956, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and this this built a lot of the. Like I was saying before, um, this was the inspiration for uh, Star Trek. One of the inspirations, yeah, for uh, Star Trek.
1: Like um, this is you could
2: definitely see it.
1: This is Leslie Nielsen, and no one's making jokes. In or around his vicinity, therefore, it's old enough to be his a historical document.
0: Yeah, well, like 1956. That's the year my father was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, Shit, my dad was eight.
1: <laughs> I don't know my i my parents. Either I don't remember my parents' ages, or it's like a, a weird they put they lace their birthdays with amnesiacs. <laughs> the birthday cake so i never really know I'm just like There's a he's, paper he's some variety of age they're old enough to be retired but one of them isn't she needs Ma. this is my wake-up call to you you're you can do it you just got to finish your thousand days and you're out of here ma you can cool. stay home on the range you don't have to deal with grant writing you're there you can do it good
2: old parents and not knowing when to retire am i right
0: Oh yeah. Oh, my mom has been meticulously planning her retirement for the past five years.
2: I feel bad. My mom planned it around my age, so when I turned twenty-six and no longer could benefit from her health health insurance, she was like, "All right, I'm done.
1: I've done she all just, I can." She looked at you and she's like, "I need to figure <laughs> out when to, I, mean, I can stop working. Unfortunately, I got to leave my I think, job."
2: I think this. I think this. Uh, this year might be the most harrowing of her career.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah, and,
0: and she's uh, taught in Texas. Oh, not damn. the greatest uh, time damn. to retire either. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, it's rough. Yeah, everyone, economic crises, <laughs> fun <laughs> for the whole family.
2: Well, it's just like she's a principal, and like the school systems are just so confused right now. Oh, I'm sure, uh, like, especially in New York, they're just like, what's happening? Yeah. like we don't know. Whole New York be has done never there. been
1: in this much disarray. Meanwhile, Oklahoma is just like, Well, welcome to that, welcome to my life. Every Oklahoma's day, is this free.
0: like, Do you want to see the GW zoo?
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, want to see some tigers? <laughs> no. Get
0: out of here, Oklahoma! <laughs> Want to pet a tiger cub? <laughs> there That's was forever now. Like, Oklahoma, whatever it was known as before, it's now the Tiger King state. That's <laughs> all anyone's ever going to think of it as. <laughs> you know,
1: stained. if the Tiger King wasn't, like, an awful thing to be associated with, like, Oklahoma, the Tiger King state, that sounds like a great motto. Or a great state name. But no.
0: Do you think, um... Like in uh, Winniewood, Oklahoma, that like when you know ten, fifteen years from now, when like state and town museums are opening up, uh, do you think Joe Exotic is going to be uh, <laughs> discussed as an
1: important? <laughs> I mean, he cannot be. Sheute
2: technically he's a big part of their history because he did run for governor. <laughs> twenty uh, sixteen. I think that was 2016. Was this mm-hmm. or maybe not? Maybe there's was a later year. I don't know. I don't know when gubernatorial races are held.
1: He was pretty <laughs> gubernatorial, uh, yeah. and we it's also a goober. we do catch the early years of Carol Baskin in this movie, Forbidden Planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: what is so- kissing?
1: I was going to say when the tiger leaps at her and she's like, I thought I thought he was my friend. Mm-hmm. And Leslie just gives him a look like gives her a look like you serious, bitch.
0: You don't are, are you serious? Uh, how are you not the hobbit again? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. I, was, I was a little too indulgent.
2: You okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I went in. It's like a timeshare. I went on on a, on a really high pitched laugh, and the the investment didn't pan out. Ran out of, I ran out of uh, vocal juice halfway through. By which I mean saliva. <laughs> okay.
0: Um.
2: So speaking of Tiger King, um, I guess it's a good time. The uh the the newest episode for Tiger King just came out. It's not exactly a trailer but it is a uh, it's a thing that's on netflix now you it's, can go watch
1: <laughs> it's the follow-up episode yeah and um we're at the phase i think we're at the the phase of the media digestion process where um we get we start looking a little past the the general substance people are like wait a second this documentary has a bias there's bias yeah. in the filmmaking, yeah. And we've all been duped. It's like okay,
2: yeah. I think I think there was hey. a big. Um, it was. It was definitely a little bit of an. I kind of assumed that some people didn't like uh, jokes Sodick, but to the extent of who I thought his friends were uh, and how much they just really, because they didn't. They didn't really hit upon too much how much is. Uh, all of his friends betrayed him, but they—they all—they were like "fuck you" at the end, <laughs> and they were like, "We're—we're we're done with you, and you're—you're you're putting us through this mess." And he—he and he well, lied. He lied a lot. He's—he was almost like a pathological liar about what he said to the even to the cameras of mm-hmm. what he did. And he did a yeah. lot wrong.
1: They um, what was I gonna say? I think the thing that was just like one of the one of the big things that was going around was that it came into, it it was always in the light. It was always out there, but it came into popular view that Mm -hmm. people figured out that Joe was a racist because they did not mention that in the documentary, hardly at all. And uh, it's sort of a big thing that would change a lot of people's perception of him who otherwise would view him as a underdog.
2: Well, also that story about the horse, he was just a bad person, he was a cruel person.
1: Turns out.
0: Yeah. um, um like I said, <laughs> everyone in this show yeah. is a dirtbag. Like yeah. there are no good people in this show. Oh, and
2: and they were just like the the guy also put like Carol Bassins in the same boat. They're just like they're all bad people. They're they're all they're all yeah. in it for the same thing. They're all in it for the money. Tiger business mm-hmm. is just um money scheme.
1: yeah I think the follow up that follow up episode um, it wasn't fil- it wasn't didn't have as much production value slathered on top, so you didn't get to see it, you know, it wasn't uh, I guess spun as much, you could yeah. call it. Well, I mean,
0: they mentioned like the at the beginning of the uh, series, the uh, filmmaker mentioned that like consumed like four years of his life. So obviously, you know, like a lot of time was spent making it. And you can't like do that for your follow-up episode like a week after it comes out, you know. Exactly. Like it uh-huh. Takes a long time, so this was and, and a.
2: The production quality for this was a little bit <laughs> less than that. It was well, just a COVID. Zoom call with uh, Joel McHale, which yeah. I I don't mind. I it it is what it is.
1: It's about the best we're gonna get. Mm. Yep.
2: And it seemed like it seemed like it was. That this was done maybe at the beginning of all this because when did when did the Tiger King come out? I don't remember how early on it was because they were they were still like going out and stuff because they were talking about how they'd go out to Walmart mm-hmm. and stuff, and then uh, one guy was like, "Hey, you know, there's this thing going around. You know, get away from me because there people are always coming up to them and wanted to take pictures because they're now famous. All these." Rednecks have been Pushed into the limelight And this came
1: Yeah so this came out on the 20th of March
2: Okay Okay so they probably They probably watched They probably did that interview Maybe like a Maybe like a week Or so after it came out Okay Interesting Yeah Pretty quick
1: there
2: Yeah Yeah um, Alright It's a slow week on trailers
0: Yeah Um. Sure. There's a new Netflix movie The Wrong Missy It's uh, David Spade Taking a page out of His good friend Adam Sandler's book By getting Netflix to pay for them To make a movie in Hawaii While they vacation there for six weeks
1: Yep So uh, classic Classic maneuver there
0: Bad romantic comedy um, dude, like, has one date with a really like, she was Miss Maryland, named Missy, but she also he also had a blind date with another girl named Missy. I don't know why they would both. This this the premise is bad. He texts the wrong one, but I it, like. There's this no is the kind
1: of premise that your drunk friend comes up to you with at a party.
0: You can't have the same like contact name for two different numbers like that like it would be
1: maybe on a Sony phone you can
0: <laughs> yeah
1: who knows like, on the Sony Ericsson
0: it's not a uh, it's not a strong enough comedic premise for me to overlook these minute details
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. um I don't know man
0: but she's free spirited, and they fall in love.
1: Sure, like I feel like some lucky, like some lucky cokehead, like in the Hollywood, just had his dreams come true. He's like, I'm just gonna go, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch my idea to David Spade. It's about two girls; they're both named Missy, and he chooses the wrong one. They're gonna go to an island together, and they're gonna have hijinks. It's gonna be hijinks, David.
2: Think of all the hijinks that we're gonna have. Think of
1: all the hijinks, Looking, looking David at David <laughs> Barron's schedule, he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'm yeah, not we'll famous
0: anymore."
2: <laughs> COVID, not afraid of it.
1: I ain't afraid, of no
2: COVID.
1: Ah. Let's <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> be trying to cough on pitch. Not a successful endeavor, I would say. I ro- I did not pass that saving throw. Uh, we're going to move on. past that. past that. Abject failure. Um, I do. Are there any other trailers out? Because I have something to provide the the listeners. If provide not. it, huh? Provide it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is my first impressions review of the Midnight Gospel. Uh, I don't know if either of you saw that trailer. I think we at least looked at it. This is, I believe, it's Pendleton Ward. The creator of Adventure Time. Oh uh, yeah! Right, the trailer. I remember it. It was super intriguing.
2: I don't. I don't know if we reviewed it. I don't know if we reviewed the trailer. I just saw this like recently. Uh, yeah, on like a TikTok or something like that.
1: Um. So <laughs> this. Every time you mention TikTok, I die a little inside. Ah, uh, good. Now, I say first impressions here because I only watched the first episode and a half. Now, this okay. should be telling to many of you who are familiar with my taste in media that I only finished an episode and a half of this, where given any amount of time on a TV show that I find, I will finish it. Um, and this show let me down. Oh, let really? me. Tell you, uh, yeah, the visuals are great. Jake, you might actually really like it. It let me down personally. The visuals are great. The visuals are awesome. I love the first <laughs> On a episode's visuals. Level. Right. Unfortunately, the format of the show is what I have a problem with, which is never something I thought I'd say about a trippy animated like uh, anthology sort of thing. Um, so the premise of the show is. Uh, I forget this this guy's name. He has a name. I don't remember it. But he's a space podcaster. So he goes to simulated universes and interviews guests in the simulated universe. Like the first universe is he goes and visits the president during a zombie apocalypse. Now, the topic of the conversations and the actual audio dialogue have nothing to do with, barely anything to do with the situation at hand what the audio is is ripped guest interviews from duncan trussell's actual podcast that he does so it's just like Mm. podcast audio like this right here and then they put it to a completely different animation
2: i don't like that
1: even that i could almost stomach except that the the first like the the subject matter of these podcasts are all new age hippy dippy like mm-hmm. spiritual topics. Like the first episode was about like legalizing marijuana from like one of the one of the guys who goes on like Joe Rogan and does like the the actual like DMT kind of like new age shit. And they're talking about like, yeah, man, it just it it, it destroys your uh, your focus and you go you can go to a bad place if you overuse it but i i think that should be their choice you know as this like there's like you know these really neat visuals of like them walking around the zombie infested wasteland and the pace of the interviews is really really annoying they take so long to get to the point. Now, I've I've worked on my radio voice for a long time. I one of the most important things that I've learned is to eliminate filler words, especially when I'm really like engaged. I'm mentally engaged with the content. When I'm not, when we're on like stream, yeah, I'll fill my. Uh, Uh, dialogue with just a lot of does and does and does. Uh, And a little bit here. You caught it. You caught me, guys. I heard it. But if you watch any episode of the the first... So I watched first episode and a half, and it's just filled with these filler words. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really, really bad. That's certainly... So it really turned me off. I'm like, I want to watch... I want to watch Magic Man on his space farm, going to the super universe, and he goes to fucking magical me world. But no, it's like I talked to Jesus in my sleep, and he <laughs> said that the new crystals were the way to go. It's and it's all about the heart. It's all it's all about the heart. Yeah, 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 man. <laughs> uh... I feel that way too.
2: I can see how that. So,
1: so I I looked it up. Um, that sounds
0: awful. So what well, yeah. you yeah. just I described you... to me
1: sounds terrible. There's, a, I would recommend you watch a clip of an episode just so you get a feel. <laughs> yes, Jake.
2: He was uh, Duncan Trussell uh, was on the Joe Rogan show and he introduced that. That's the famous clip of whatever Joe Rogan's wearing like a NASA orange jumpsuit, and this other guy's wearing like a ghillie suit. It, it, I've seen it before just how bizarre they can be sometimes mm-hmm. and he introduces a clip where joey Diaz is in one of the things and he's like this eye patch goldfish in a, a thing and like the audio doesn't match the the even the situation the animation like it mm-hmm. just doesn't doesn't sound like that would come from a character because it's not a character it's the it's joey Diaz it's not yeah. A character he's playing It's just him Just talking about random shit Meanwhile his, the character That they animated is picking up Objects and they're they're Driving a boat and they're doing all this other stuff So it's like I want to know a story <laughs> I don't want to know some Garbage that went on in your podcast If I wanted to know that I would have listened to your podcast uh, yeah. It almost sounds like it's a, An advertisement for this podcast to be quite. It awesome. really kind of makes like you
0: it. wonder how it gets past, uh, you know, like how it gets greenlit. Like, yeah, presumably, Netflix. presumably, <laughs> this was this was viewed beforehand.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but this is this is hello, you're greenlit in Netflix. Someone um,
0: could have put a stop to this. Someone should have put a stop to this.
1: <laughs> but did they know? Uh, this is short. Short segue, and this I got to get my two cents out. Uh, internet creators, your postmodernist, the uh, fantasy, light-hearted, neon-colored adventure. Uh, put some intentionality behind it. Don't don't roll around and languish in the oh we're so weird and I don't know what's going on. It gets real real fast. I've, I'm talking to you. Actually, no. Being puppy cat's fine. Hilux is fine. But yeah, it's a fine line you walk. Otherwise, you end up with this shit. Which, which are purple and blues. Cal Arts ass. Running around in a in a fantasy space.
2: I like the animation, though. I, yes. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's really I, I love the animation. Great. The animation is great, and I like the Adventure Time stuff. And it's it's bizarre and trippy and... And neat. I, I just kind of
1: like want to. Yeah, uh, I want to kind of pull up a clip. No, no, not the midget gospel. That's. It's <laughs> probably something different. Um, are All there right. any just clips? Oh, no it's clips. Really, it's
2: really unfortunate because I did hear about it and and I was hoping it was going to be like a, a cool story that was going to be on, but it, 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 there's nothing yeah. to it. If there's no meat and potatoes, I'm not going to feel you know satiated at the end of it. I'm just going to be like teased with some dope animation yeah
1: and the worst thing is it's not all it's not just that like there are like host segments you know like a mystery science theater 3000 where they have like at least some anchor points for the story it's not just the, the them riffing on movies like this at the beginning like before he goes into the simulated world and finds his like uh interview host for the day he's walking around on his farm and like you get background flavor text of the world that he's in. And it almost looks like it has a story. And then he finds the person and the tone just fucking, it's just a step change. Right.
0: Well, that's too bad.
1: That was, so that's my first, my quick and dirty first impressions review of the midnight gospel. Um, short and sweet
0: very petite so we have a new king at the box office and it's actually a movie we've not only heard of before but actually discussed on Watch, and that is Resistance the World War 2 movie about the Jewish Boy Scouts who worked with the French Resistance uh, starring Jesse Eisenberg oh yeah Um, it's and Swallow actually, I guess, tied <laughs> for first place <points>. oh. <laughs> because they that... both made $2,490. That's uh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's like one theater running them as a double feature.
2: Yeah. And was... you know
0: what? It's probably a drive in that opened early. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could run a drive in uh, during COVID.
2: Well, that's what Cuomo was saying. He was like, I want to look into opening up drive-ins more. But, you know, I think the problem is is, uh, getting, like, uh, production studios to probably put out new movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, we're getting close to May, and I think Black Widow was supposed to be dropped, like, May 7th or something like that. And they pushed that to uh, November something.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't... I don't know much about movie theater operations. I don't know if either of you have a better idea of how the actual theater houses operate. Um, but I presumably they have archives or they have copies of old movies. They could I, don't do old movies
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they just
1: license them out for the for the period that they're in theaters or not. Um, but presumably they at least a few they would have in a collection they could bring out.
2: Yeah, I think they would have to go into their archive, unless they have to send those the hard drives back. I don't think they do, or like it comes with a license
1: or anything like that. I think I could see that with some weird DRM bullshit that Disney would pull. They'd be like, "Yeah, no, you can get Frozen Two for this many weeks, and we'll send you an email when we cancel your ability to play this movie." (laughs) But like, I just think it'd be cool.
2: Like, even if it was like Onward. Like even if they like hooked up a laptop, plug in the HDMI port to the projector, <laughs> and throw on onward on this massive uh, screen, I doubt they could do that technologically. But uh, because I, I their system probably operates differently, I think if it's anything like normal movie theaters, they operate on like this big hard drive that they have to insert. And
0: I think they just use but, standard movie projectors.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. pirate drive-in sounds like a. Like a solid project,
0: I like,
2: like that actually. How how fast do you think it'll get shut down though by other uh the movie theater conglomerate? I, depends I on when you show
1: it and in well,
0: which drive-in. I mean, no one, I think you'd be okay for a while because like no one can take you to court because the courts aren't open, yeah, exactly. And um, they probably the big movie theater conglomerates don't have money. AMC might go bankrupt. <laughs> they're supposedly $4.9 billion in debt.
2: But what if they send their Italian Goombas? Because I assume they're all just a bunch of mafia people. <laughs> and they just send them to attack me. That's all right. Hey, we the use... nice movie theater you got here. Be ashamed if it were to burn down.
1: <laughs> you just gotta wear your jump boop, jump boops and activate your ba-bomb.
0: <laughs> ba-bomb. <laughs> What if
2: they put uh, my feet in wet concrete to throw me in the river? <laughs>
1: Fucking. Uh, be, I, I wish I retained enough. anything from the Mario Brothers movie because then it would be worth the time I spent watching it. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel almost bad that I can't I'm coming out of that with no good quotes.
2: You know, I do gotta say, I was uh, uh, looking through the recommended videos on my on my feed, and I saw. Somebody who reviewed Swallow, and I was like, you know okay. what, I'll take a look at it. And uh, the guy actually liked it. Uh, he said it was pretty decent. Um, Re- Haley Better did a pretty good job, and they're they're he's a pretty good critic. So, who knows? Maybe in a different time, mm-hmm. Swallow would be at number four <laughs> under the top three Disney productions that came out that week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Resistance is also, I guess, just okay. It has a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 55% on Metacritic, and a 5.8 overall on IMDb. However, what it has on IMDb is 25 user reviews.
2: Ooh. Yes. Okay.
0: So, as is tradition, we will each read to you two... Reviews submitted by IMDb users. Uh, I will read two 10 star reviews. Peter will read two uh, reviews from the like middle range, like four to six. Mm-hmm. And then Jake will read like three to one, preferably one.
1: Um, Please read Tony Sh- Shanahan's uh, review. I saw it, and the title just grabbed me, but I can't. It's not in my purview. Which one was that one? It's just look up Tony Shanahan. Like, find on page. You should be able to see it.
0: Um, How I Wish Marcel Could Have Been Honored in Life by Skippin123. What a fabulous story and a beautiful cast who have not warranted the criticisms I have read. Why did I know this story before? I am sorry, but I am not bothered whether the mime technique was perfect or not. This is must-see for this year for me.
1: Hmm. Very nice. Jack?
2: So, some of these are short, uh, but I think I like this one the best. The title grabs me. 1 out of 10. Spit in a face. (laughs) Just a face. (laughs) (laughs) In the late 1942 The lead of this resistance says We are the only ones Who are resisting Hitler It sounds like a spit in the Russian face Who just encircled Sixth army in Stalingrad USSR lost 27 million (laughs) people In this war And it is only official statistics The second problem Is the leader of the resistance Is women (laughs) Is women Is woman? And her assistant is a black guy. (laughs) Is it a liberal political movie? Is this
1: guy a little racist? He's a little racist. Okay. Have a little little sip on that racist picture.
0: What do they always tell us? That they're sending Russian trolls to influence the elections? (laughs) And they're always favoring conservative values? Of course he's a Russian troll who's... It's racist. And Russian IMDb come to,
1: come to subvert the 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 voting capabilities of our user critics.
0: Suppre, suppress the uh, support for a, a movie about a Jewish boy. Oh yeah. Little
2: Jewish boys. The little was a woman and the assistant was a black guy. No, I don't like it.
1: I'm I'm I have a, I have a wide selection of mine. Um, I think I think we're gonna go with this one first, just because. All right. So imagine. So this is Marmar, six nine seven eight zero. Already off to a good start on the sixth of April. Four out of ten. Uh, Resistance, no caps. Now the entire review has one capital letter, and that's the first letter in, of the first word R. There is no punctuation, save for commas. It's one and the commas
0: it's one but long run on sentence baby
1: <laughs> with this I give you Resistance April 6, 2020 Resistance was a very weak film for me story was messy though early beginning till the very end and I found myself trying not to be irritated by what was happening on screen Eisenberg was a good choice for this role and he was very awkward to watch when he was making some deep lines and dramatic moment and he just wasn't able to make them good. Even his mimic comedic moments weren't funny at all. I found myself almost to roll eyes on them. Resistance was a very weak film. It picks very hard subject to portray, but it (laughs) falls in almost every aspect. Only some moments with lead kid girl and Eisenberg female partner were nice to watch, but the rest was big waste.
0: I'm jealous. You got fun ones. I got shit to work with. (laughs) Two out of four found this helpful. <laughs> uh, that's 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 disappointing. Um, ten out of ten, amazing movie from Carbon Carbonson. Carbonson. It's a great cast. I think Eisenberg did a really good job portraying the mime. The movie itself is really immersive. I will recommend to everyone. Ten out of twenty-three. My the other my other options were insightful biopic, excellent film, great portrayal from Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> or great story, a very touching story. I am not religious, but like true story behind it, highly recommend it. Well,
1: that's that's telling when your good reviews are just like it. Good movie, I like good movie. Okay, Watch here's them. a
0: here's a funny nine out of ten, if I if you will indulge me. Um, yes. Wow, like watching Scary Sound of Music.
1: That's the one I was looking for.
0: (laughs) Don't read the bad reviews. This is a dark, scary movie. Eisenberg does it fine justice with great acting from all. A very worthwhile watch. Three out of nine. Found that helpful. Oh, Scary Sound of Music. Okay, I got to expand my purview.
2: Eisenberg. (laughs) Here's this one. One out of ten. Eisenberg. Seriously? (laughs) Honestly, Eisenberg is a disaster as actor and extremely bad choice for this title. He can't act. He has no charisma. 18 out of 38 found that helpful. Uh there were
0: my biggest regret is that we're not recording the video of this podcast because Jake's (laughs) fucking face when he was reading that in that
1: voice had me dying. There were five
2: E's in extreme.
1: (laughs) You have eyebrow motions that I would kill for. No, you had like the the, when they go like this. I don't I can't do this with my eyebrows where the middle arches up.
0: You were, like, making a sine wave with your eyebrows. It,
1: was, you, it was a thing of beauty. There it was. I, I, there it is, right there. All right, I get the
2: left one to go up a little bit higher. I'll
1: have <laughs> to work on that. This, I'll do facial exercises <laughs> the rest of the day. Uh, that's my Did you chasing the dragon. That's my uh, one regret. I've noticed that a lot of these reviews are about how Jesse Eisenberg was not right for this role, including my review, my last one here. Uh, from Rocco eight eight one four five nine seven two six. this is just phone numbers now I just listed, <laughs> it just puts phone numbers in the username um, resistance 5 out of 10 miscast now this one is has proper grammar but I actually read the review before I started talking and it's this is very worth it let's have a listen the film itself is pretty formulaic neither really bad nor really good My biggest problem was Eisenberg as a total miscast for young Marcel Marceau. As a professional mime artist, I might be twice as critical here. But his stone face, (laughs) stiff moves, and rapid-fire talking are pretty much the opposite of the real Marceau. So I simply couldn't believe his role. So in the end, there's nothing special about this film, apart from introducing Marceau's World War II experiences to an audience that might either never have heard of him or just know him as the world-famous mime he became later. Fourteen out of twenty-five found it helpful.
0: The great, uh, great fame awarded from the career of
1: miming. <laughs> I I just love that we could get the mime perspective on this movie. I'm in a box.
0: So, what would you handicap the odds of them actually being a mime at?
1: Uh, Fourteen out of twenty-five.
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm proud of you. That was good. <laughs> Um oh
1: uh Jesus. L- little Gemma reviews here. A little, yeah. l- the little community that came together and just shit post their way <laughs> into this week's uh cast.
0: We salute you. Um all right, let's talk games and I'd like to kick off the segment uh with some game short game reviews. Cause Kurt's been playing Kurt's been clearing through his backlog and as is tradition, when I finish a new game that I haven't played before, I like to review it on the show. So we'll start off with a game that came out a little more recently than the other game I finished last week, uh, and that's Kingdom Hearts 3. Finally finished that up. Um, I would say that it is... It's like two different games. The the like parts of the game and the levels of the game that really are Derived from the Kingdom Hearts story, are quite compelling, interesting, and you know, fun to play. All the Disney stuff felt like an anime filler arc because that feels
1: that sounds about right from what I've heard. It
0: was basically just the plot of whatever movie, and then you mm-hmm. you throw random nobodies or heartless or unversed in there when it's convenient to do so. There are a couple exceptions. The Toy Story world was a little, was a um, more original story. Um, The Monsters, Inc. world was at least inspired by the first Monsters, Inc., but it takes place after the events of that film. But well, actually, I've never seen Big Hero 6, so I can't speak to San Francisco, but it seemed like it was more original but for the most part it was just like the frozen world and the tangled world were just this is frozen and tangled
1: <laughs> which ironically i think they probably should. Have. The tangled i get it that I, that movie was like moderately popular i think as as yeah. these things go but frozen like i feel like there's no excuse like everyone who's playing this game probably knows how Frozen generally goes? Yeah, I don't think well, they needed a plot refresher. To
0: be fair, I've never seen Frozen or Tangled or Big Hero Six. I hadn't seen most of the movies that the, these worlds were based on.
2: That's very surprising.
0: Um, I've well, seen
2: Frozen like twenty times.
0: I, because I wasn't a fourteen-year-old girl when it came out, Jake.
1: I was a, I was, uh, I was a camp me. counselor. At a camp, the, <laughs> the summer it came out.
0: I had no association so with you. You better year old girls. fucking
1: believe Let It Go was played in the music segment of the day. I heard that ever.
0: song for the first time playing this game.
2: <laughs> I was dating somebody when, when it came out, so of course I had to go see it.
0: Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> let me rephrase that. I didn't have any association. Like, if it came out now, I was able to avoid Frozen 2, though. Diane almost dragged me to that but i wrestled my way out of there um so also disappointing lack of the final fantasy characters that were so important in the stories of the previous two kingdom hearts games um i don't know why they were taken out but they were in terms of gameplay it plays A lot like a lot of the other Kingdom Hearts, there are some interesting features like uh, the ability to switch keyblades at any point during combat. Um, Not too useful. You usually just pick one you like and stick with it. Um, Right. But they they throw in these crazy... There's a lot of, like, special commands that you can activate by hitting triangle, which is something that was present in the previous games, but rarer. This was just, like, chalked full Like, every three seconds, something would pop up on your top bar, and it's like, activate this ability, activate this ability. And it's, you know, real f- fun and flashy and shit, but it made the combat just, like, with the exception of a few bosses, trivially easy. Like, you just hit A, and then occasionally hit Y, and then you hit A again. And then it you, reminds me of cast it, it sounds
1: like when I watched Final Fantasy I watched my cousin play Final Fantasy thirteen for like a couple minutes and the combat in Final Fantasy thirteen baffled me. It was like staring into the face of an elder god. <laughs> I'm like I see a spell name. That's that's Thundera but I don't understand anything else that is going on the screen. There are menus flying around the screen. The camera's like swirling around to show all the animations of the shit that's going off. Yeah. I presume there's a timing system.
0: Yeah. Um, I, f- I mean,
1: but I can't be asked to figure out what the fuck it is. They've
0: kind of uh, just dressed up the same square unit combat engine that they've always had and added more action elements into it. Is my understanding, I never actually played 13 um.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but uh, this game is really trivially easy in a lot of parts, and um, you know they they added in a ton of shit. There's a ton of fucking side contact and, and stuff to collect. Um, and the new Remind DLC, which I haven't played yet, I'll come back to that eventually. But I'm a little. I'm okay with it for right now. It's like, is this the last chapter? Probably not. They let the story open to go uh, on. But like, you know, as a sequel to kingdom hearts two, it's, it's kind of rough to follow the story. Uh, I had played even beyond that. Like I played the only one I didn't play. Basically was kingdom hearts, 3d dream drop distance. And because I didn't play that one game, like it took me halfway through the game to like just suss out everything <laughs> to where it <laughs> was in the story be like okay so this is what's happening all right i kind of understand now um
1: amazing which random games become critical to the to the plot
0: yeah <laughs> the fucking random ass they're bad like with this but like it was the same thing with chain of memories right you know like if you didn't play chain of memories and then you play kingdom hearts 2 you're like who the fuck are these organization 13 people
2: uh yeah i i heard about a lot of the uh i I don't know filling in like storyline with smaller like uh, ds games and Game Boy advance games back for when kingdom hearts one was around
0: but like uh, one to two you'd be confused but you could like put it together pretty quickly there's enough recapping yeah. in there but two to three so much yeah there like was like, in between there this. was like
2: five or six games or something like that I remember because I, I, I when this when it first came out I watched a couple of reviews of it and they were like it's a good game, but like the storyline is just so
0: so convoluted,
2: convoluted with with all the bullshit that's going on with uh, extra games and true
0: storyline. True story: um, my girlfriend and her sister came over to play with the bunnies uh, when I was playing. When I was finishing up Kingdom Hearts three, I finished it up uh, last Saturday, and um. They're watching me play and they're watching the cutscenes and Diane like has some familiarity. she was she's been around me when I've been playing through the other games. and uh, like a character appears in a climactic moment towards the end of the story. and Diane's like, who's that? I'm like, I have no fucking idea. I'm 30 hours into this game and I've never <laughs> seen this character before. I'm 30 hours into the third game of the series.
2: <laughs> that shouldn't happen. though. <laughs> and they're like, and it probably like had some gravity behind the actual character, who they were. It's like if you well if you played if you play this small Nintendo DS game that came out five years ago, and you then would definitely d-
0: and did this side mission, then you'd know who that is. And no, I I'm sorry, I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to do that. Um It's
2: it's almost the problem with uh, like the Rise of the Skywalker stuff. It's like oh well if you uh play the Fortnite game where palpatine did the whole thing then you would you'd know <laughs> right if you read the books yeah. you would know why this is just fine
0: yeah <laughs> so that's kingdom hearts 3 i stand by my ranking it as my most disappointing game of 2019 because you know very very much very much promise put behind behind that and uh you oh know,
2: man The fan base behind Kingdom Hearts 3 is, like, the ride-or-die bitches.
0: Yeah, I'm not, like, I need to... I'm not sure what the general community perception of it is. I never really looked into that. But I think it's a little bit better than Kingdom Hearts 1 as overall, like, experience. Um, It's mechanically... Well, there's more stuff in it than Kingdom Hearts 2, but I don't think it, any of it works better. So... Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's in the middle of the pack in terms of main series Kingdom Hearts games. All right, the other game I finished this past week was The Witcher 2. I tried to play through the original Witcher, but the uh, control scheme was... Uh, let's call it eccentric. It would be nice. <laughs> Um, and I just couldn't get into it. So I watched a story recap of what happened in The Witcher, and I jumped in The Witcher 2. And I got, I really enjoyed playing The Witcher 2, but it just seemed like every time I sat down to play it, like I had no time to, like, get into it. So it took me quite a while, uh. and me just being like, fuck it, I've am i I'm finished Kingdom Hearts, and I'm going to just sit down, I'm going to finish The Witcher 2 now. <laughs> and so I did uh, really... Fun game combat system is a little bit difficult to master. And I don't think it's because it's like particularly deep. Um, It's just kind of like janky. It's the same thing. It's similar to, I think, Assassin's Creed, which is another combat system that I just never got the hang of. Mm. Um, Yeah, that
2: was weird. I played
0: a little bit of Assassin's Creed. And. uh, But it was much Light years better than the original Witcher. Um, and uh, the story was very good. Like, the story is interesting because... And I, I was just thinking about this the other day. Because, you know, we've been playing Mass Effect. on, We're getting ready to play Mass Effect 2 on the channel. And, you know, games of that ilk with the, like, good and evil or different, like, morality choices. Where you know, it's never really as ambiguous as you'd like it to be. Like you kind of want to have to think about it. This game, I came away from it being like, did I make the best choices here? (laughs) (laughs) Did I fuck up the kingdom? Did I do what was right?
1: (laughs) Self-doubt. What a satisfying conclusion to a game.
0: (laughs) Um, I was like, yeah, I'm legitimately unsure if this is going to be, go over well. Um, (laughs) But the one issue with The Witcher, and it's not even, like, an issue with, like, the pacing of the story, but the pacing gets broken so much because the navigation system is really bad. Like, the objective markers aren't always, like, where they should be, and... Like, the interior level design of the cities and main areas is very Labyrinthian, and it's not always clear where you can and can't go, because there's, like, barriers that you can break with one of your signs, and then barriers that you can't, but they don't always look very different from one another, and then the doors, like, they're not, like, highlighted or anything. You have to, like, be right up in the door's grill for it to be like, door, door, it open, uh, so it's really easy to get turned around and lost. And I found when I didn't have a lot of time, and trying to follow these quest markers that I would spend, you know, twenty five minutes of the hour I had to play, fucking trying to find where I was supposed to go. Um, I've started playing The Witcher three a little bit, uh, and I'm happy to say that they. They figured it out. They realized that <laughs> that needed some polish and it is much, much better.
2: Yeah, I've, I've heard The Witcher 3 is very, very good.
1: If there's one word to describe all the reviews and hype surrounding it, it would be polished.
0: And But I do want to say that The Witcher 2 for 2011 release um, still holds up really well today graphically. In some instances, like when I first popped in The Witcher 3 or, or loaded it up, we don't pop discs in anymore. Um, <laughs> when I first loaded up The Witcher 3, I'm like, "Is am I crazy or does this look worse than The Witcher 2? <laughs> um, it's, it's a different art style. It's a softer art style in The Witcher 3, okay. uh, which I uh, I guess kind of made it seem less photorealistic to me, but... The I mean, there it's the fact that you can have that doubt really speaks to the graphical quality of The Witcher Two. Great,
2: cool.
0: Yeah. So those are my games that I reviewed this week. Uh, hopefully, I'll have more reviews in the, in the future.
1: Perhaps. Um. Um. Anything in the newsosphere?
0: Uh, not a whole lot. Um. There's a little bit of drama between Mick Gordon, composer of Doom and Doom Eternal, and the uh, publisher and developer. Uh, Some person on Twitter was complaining about how the uh, Doom Eternal OST is not as good as the Doom 2016 OST, and they pulled up an Audacity waveform where it's like, look how even the peaks are in the 2020 remix. Versus the 2016. He's like, Mick Gordon is a much better audio engineer than I. It's disappointing that he'd mix it like this. And then Mick Gordon's like, I didn't mix these. Hmm.
1: Uh,
0: cool. So he didn't get to mix his. Uh,
1: he was busy trying, trying to return the lawnmower after the studio time with it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, he. Yeah, so he didn't get to compose these. And then there was a follow up on Reddit uh, where Mick Gordon. Suggested that uh, no, that didn't copy well. I'm sorry. Uh, suggested that he wouldn't be back to work on any future Doom games as a composer, hmm. which kind of sucks because you know those music in those games is quite good.
2: Yeah. Um, why is Travis Scott like so important to uh, Fortnite?
0: <laughs> I don't know anything so, um, about Fortnite.
2: Fortnite had a travis scott concert i see a bunch of tiktoks about this because uh, i watch tiktok and i share tiktoks and sometimes i make a tiktok do you like tiktoks kurt
1: tiktoks no i like tiktoks no i do not they're minty they pop in your mouth tiktoks
2: so um apparently there was a live concert well not live but like they had a event and Fortnite and players would show up and uh it was like a little mini concert, I guess, because you can't go out to any concerts. And there was, it was really cool. It was sort of dope. I think it was uh, just an event, maybe introducing their next season. And there were some patches, but like now, there's a bunch of like Travis Scott themed Fortnite stuff. There's skins, there's emotes. that are having like it a part of the map now. It's it's so bizarre. Um, and then they had a giant. Uh, animated travis scott come down and do this crazy uh show for them it was it's so bizarre <laughs> it, it's cool but it's it's Fortnite. i still hate the game
1: <laughs> oh geez um. that's so weird um but this is i guess this was there's precedent for this sort of shit with the the marshmallow one right I
2: guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I I forgot about that. There was like a huge concert with Marshmallow. Yeah.
0: If you are a fan of strategy games, you might be if you recall our episode of our discussion on what makes a good strategy game. um, One of the better strategy games available on Steam will be free to just grab um, starting Monday. Total War Shogun 2 will be free to download, play, and keep forever. Uh, in addition to that, its DLC will be discounted up to 75%, and other games in the Total War, War series will also be discounted 75%. Presumably, other titles will be discounted as well, so we, this might be a mini, this little mini sale, so if there's anything you've had your eye on, now might be the time to start monitoring... The price. I also Give saw um,
2: Smash and Grab. For the King is uh gonna be free on I think
0: Epic. It's currently free on Epic. Oh,
1: it's currently free, okay. That's why I'm we older. got it, right?
0: Well, we were going to because like a few like months back, you know, it was supposed to be three on Epic and then it wasn't. So I guess they like swapped dates with it. Uh, um okay. so like we had to buy it on Steam, but I spent eight dollars on <laughs> the three copies of the game, so I'm not really crying a river over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nice, and cheap in a good way. Yeah, thank you, the developers of that game, uh, uh, and also fuck you for Vexer. Maybe
0: we should run that again.
1: And then I think uh, uh,
2: next week, um, Amnesia: The Dark Descent is going to be uh, free. <sighs> yeah, I
0: tried Very the Amnesia. Nice. I don't
2: know. I'm if you're into that kind into of thing, it. I don't know. Hey, I report the news.
0: <laughs> I am about to take the news. Uh, speaking of news, the PC gaming show will return June 6th. So, uh, this might be a bigger deal than it has been in previous years because there's not going to be an E3 this year. Um, But since the PC gaming show is more of a remote setup to begin with, uh, they're going to run it in the middle of the pandemic, because uh, it's safe to do so, safe-ish to do so. Uh, PC gaming has prospered in the last decade because it's the only gaming platform that belongs to everyone, says Evan Lothy, global editor-in-chief at PC Gamer. The show's organizer, some fantastic... In <laughs> China. <laughs> some fantastic new games deserve recognition we look forward to making June 6th a day for viewers to experience what's coming next. So... Be on the lookout for some cool announcements starting June 6th, coming out of that. Um, No Man's Sky has more ambitious editions planned for 2020, according to yes. developer Hello Games. Uh, while they are still hard at work on the last campfire. Um which is I don't still... know what DLC that is. No, The Last Campfire is an atmospheric adventure game they're developing. Oh, it's a different game. Okay. It is uh, set for release this summer on most platforms. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But uh, Hello Game says, in addition to the past content updates, we are working up some more ambitious additions to the universe, and we have so much more planned for 2020 for us to feel excited about. Yeah. Um, so
1: those guys are fucking insane. Like if you think if you look at their whole story, like they just they got I feel like they got pissed. They're like a fucking Goliath when you hit them with the headshot. They just went content. And then they just like the story, I you know, I watched the internet historians uh account of the whole thing. Um and I also like No Man's guy so I I knew a little bit of the hype. The gist of it was the game was super mega hyped because um, Sean, I think his name, Sean Murray. Yeah, he was like he he wasn't a great marketer and he just kept promising shit, which like he couldn't deliver on. And then the game came out and it was a, you know, moderately good like Space Explorer game. And people were like, this is donking garbage. It's awful. You promised me a full simulatable universe with like multiplayer, like always on multiplayer and everything you could ever hope for in a game. And you didn't do that, Sean. This game sucks. And he's like, all right, fine. We're going underground and I will just not answer anybody for like three years and we're going to make this game really fucking good.
0: It is quite the redemption story. Yeah, they made it
1: really fucking
0: good. I'm really interested to see how how their reputation helps or harms the sales of the last campfire does the public still view them as the studio that over-promised and under-delivered or have has has the public come around and sees that they're the hard-working studio that will support the game and make right by its release
1: and that has learned from his its experiences its first foray into uh i almost triple a development yeah I would maybe single A development. They don't have the fucking. Maybe double A. Yeah, it's not a it's not a huge studio. It is a large is a studio. Yes, but it's not like a corporate like time to churn out some fucking assets here, boys. Yeah, it's
0: not uh, Ubisoft or anything like that. Yeah. Um.
1: Uh, Speaking of redemption stories, uh, the Red Dead variety.
2: No, this is uh, controversial. Um. All right. Hot takes for I'm, I'm a I'm a avid Fallout fan and uh for Fallout Three in New Vegas. I haven't played okay. the original one, so I know some of you will especially Kurt will be like, Fuck you, you play the originals.
0: I mean they're very but good games.
2: No. <laughs> uh no all the graphics suck and uh I don't want to. So anyways, <laughs> Fallout seventy six uh apparently got a big update. Uh, I don't think it's like a DLC or anything. They were
0: reselling but... it to people. <laughs> I don't know that much?
2: Yeah, yeah. Fallout One, there was there was some. There's a lot of decisions that the people behind Fallout 76 made that seem a lot like cash grabs. Uh, they just seem like it's like a pay the play system. I mean, even the the inventory system uh, that was introduced a little while ago, where you could expand your storage system by a shit ton and it was like that's the only way to play it almost and like so you had to buy that dlc it seemed really really abusive and now apparently with this new update they added uh human npcs into this game which was a huge problem with fallout 76 upon launch amongst, i remember that amongst so many others you can. Uh, I'm not going to take the time to list all the issues that Fallout 76 had it on launch. It was not finished. Uh, yeah, not finished. Uh, not poorly run, like the the uh, the special editions that they were selling. The canvas bag controversy.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so much garbage. but just yeah, so literally much garbage. Just piles them. On...
2: And, and the the problem is like there, there's the running joke that it's like four times the size of Fallout 4's map. You know so much better graphics, so much better this and that, but like a quarter of the content. Like you have all this room to play, but you have nothing to do in it. And now there is I think there's content to fill that space, and I'm grappling with the decision is it worth it to buy it?
0: i don't know. Um, do you like MMOs? I don't
2: well, I I personally don't want to buy it just because I don't want to reward bad behavior, because this is yep. not a good thing for companies to be doing. No, I shouldn't buy a game that took two, I think what is it, two years, for it to come out. Mm-hmm. Almost almost two years to actually, you know, hit the ground running to to you know not to hit the ground running, but like to actually get off the ground, and. I'm not gonna give them money for that. Give me a completed game at the start, and then add on to that in so much depth. Yeah, uh, later on down the line.
1: It was now. Here's an interesting uh, hot take I'll take. If you want the Fallout experience that Fallout 76 is trying to provide, but you don't want to deal with shit, I would actually suggest getting No Man's Sky because it does now have fully functional community-based multiplayer uh which is optional. You can you can go on to multiplayer areas. Um you have the exploration of a barren barren worlds free range. You have crafting of any number of stuff. You actually have uh you know quests procedurally generated, but quests that you can always take. There's always stuff to do. And there's uh you know it's it functions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think Fallout 76 was just a bad idea to begin with. Bethesda had no experience making I mean what is essentially, it's an MMO. It's an MMO you had to pay $60 to get access to play. Um,
2: People are likening it to uh, ESO at this point. Um, just a different is, version. of is ESO? Uh, Elder Scrolls Online oh, yeah. similar oh. MMO yeah. type thing. Um. I think the difference between 76 and ESO maybe might be the like the servers are you can only have a certain amount of people on the map at, at a time I think is was what, what they do. It's weird I don't know the specifics behind how it works and how it operates. Um, I know it wasn't like you have a thousand people in one map you have a certain you have like 16 or something like that and then there's Different instances of that of that map generated.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
2: But yeah, it's just I don't I don't feel right playing a game that took so long to actually come out with the content that we'd need, and I'm not going to give them money. Well, have you looked into whether it. or
0: not the content is any good?
2: Yeah, I've I've heard from multiple people, and like there's this article is stating how it. Uh, I mean, it's it's finally feeling like a Fallout game. Um. And my friend has been playing it nonstop, and he's also he's a very very avid Fallout fan, um, and he's like he he agreed with me hundred percent that you know when it first came out it was a garbage game, but he got it, like he was he was a part of the canvas bag controversy, that's how, that's uh, nice, that's that's how devout he is almost, <laughs> <Don't> uh, <laughs> like he, he doesn't care, but he was shitting on it just like with the rest of us, and how 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 just garbage it it's was pretty in indefensible <laughs> it's pr- uh, yeah no it, 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 he he had no defense for it he, he was like right there along with it he's like i'm really disappointed in this game um but now he's been playing it a lot more uh just because they finally came out with content that makes it fun to play uh so it's like it's almost like a do you buy it for the entertainment or do you boycott it almost for personal reasons uh, just to not I think I'm almost I'm on the side of like I'll save my money yeah towards something else like, you there, know, are,
0: there are better games out there to play even with if it, it goes, updated
2: if it goes on sale for like ten dollars I don't know maybe if it gets down to a right price point maybe I
0: but, could buy it used maybe so that way the developer doesn't yeah. see a fucking dime
2: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I could buy it used
0: um, but I don't know. Yeah,
2: can you do that with like online Steam games? No, probably not. Um, Damn them!
0: It's actually slightly <laughs> illegal to resell Steam keys. Yeah, whatever. It's a gray market thing, not necessarily a black market thing. <laughs> um,
2: it's like our uh, pirate driving.
0: Yeah, yeah. So WWE exactly. 2K21 isn't going to be a thing. Um, WWE CFO Frank Riddick announced during Investor's Call that there will be no video game based on the brand released in 2020. After the garbage fire that was WWE 2K20, it was so unfinished and so bad that it broke through to the mainstream Uh, with all the memes.
1: Probably for the best.
0: Um, As of now, 2K21... I'm sorry. As of now, the 2K22 hasn't been canceled. So it's possible they're taking extra time to work on that. Uh, But it's also possible that they don't make any more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And just like they don't make any more 50 sci-fi movies. Because the 50s are over.
2: Well, <laughs> not for another thirty years.
0: That's true. <laughs> Conceivably, in the future, they could make it again, um, mm-hmm. but I don't. Hundred year f- anniversary uh, movies.
1: They made it. They made a movie in the eighties called Forbidden World, which has like weirdly similar elements, but is entirely a parallel evolution in terms of plot. Like it, they also go to a remote world. With a scientific research lab on it. But instead of finding what they find in this movie. They find uh, genetic like experiments. And then a giant spider monster that turns you into goo. 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 Um, instead. Shoot my goo. On this planet. We get the. Uh, Earth's greatest bee team. Going on a rescue mission. To try and get that sweet space booty. They're tank.
0: honest, hardworking schmoes. Naval Shmo- <laughs> seamen, yeah, schmoes. seamen. Yeah, they're schmoes. They're 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 yeomen. They're uh, they're down in the dirty.
1: The blue collar. And, Lesney, Lesney and they like Wilson. their
2: Kentucky bourbon, yep. Kentucky whiskey.
1: There's a lot of thirst in this show, in this bourbon. movie, oh, of yeah. various kinds. Yeah,
2: thirst for poon, thirst for robot, whiskey,
1: <laughs> thirst for <laughs>
0: robot.
2: It was a lot. That seemed almost like there was a lot of interest when that robot. Well, when Robbie made sixty
0: gallons, sixty of liters. That, or it was gallons. I apologize.
1: Of that Kentucky, no imperial <laughs> units, no metric units in space. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> we use american made miles and, it's 20 and, and he had the signals the same, coming from 20
2: square miles he made yeah. the same glass bottle he made the same label <laughs>
0: craft because made. like and, the great thing about 50 sci-fi is that like technology had no limit like watching this now what we know about like modern technology and being closer to the cutting edge of it than most people I watched this, and I'm like, yeah, it's like shit like this just will never be possible. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about, like, is- matter generation. <laughs> and they were just threw that around, like, yeah, that's not a big deal. It's not like this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in the known universe.
2: To the power of infinity.
1: <laughs> <What the fuck? laughs> and I can clearly see what is about 10 to 15 uh, arrays there, which... You know, that's a very finite number, guys. Gotcha. You know
0: what this movie had that um, you don't see anymore? Sets. Like actual sets. Yes.
1: It had yeah. four, four to five sets. And some it does have some cool set pieces, I will yeah. say. Um now I'll talk we got I think we should talk quickly about the legacy of this movie before we before we get into what's going on there. This was a big thing. Disney put a lot into this. You know it got a lot of acclaim uh I can speak a little more to the soundtrack I personally did not care for the soundtrack it was a little too ambient beeps and bops sort of hanging out there I didn't
0: notice jamming, it one way or the
1: other. but um this is in some a few uh, top 100 lists for historical purposes of like top 100 film scores of all time because this was the first entirely electronically generated music score they found let me let me look up who they found to do this um yeah they found bb and lewis baron in a fucking beatnik nightclub in greenwich village they just found them and they're like here guys we want you to make a soundtrack you guys know a little bit about like theremins and stuff and they're like yeah sure um and this was 19 i am a i'm a slight student an uh, amateur student of electronic music history. So again, I knew a little bit about what's going on here. Now, in the sixties, nineteen sixty-four, the Moog synthesizer came out. You know, the fucking foundational synthesizer for like most most bands of the eight, 60s through the eighties through the nineties until a lot some other synthesizer. Of, of course, uh, yes.
0: I knew that. The Moog synthesizer.
1: Yeah. Classic. When you think of the old like keyboard with a giant switchboard wall and you had to make your own patches by fucking hooking up the different voltometers together and turning the knobs like you're fucking running like you're running a spaceship that's how you made music on this thing it was whack um but that was popularized in like 68 by switched on bach and then everyone's like wow this moog thing's like really good Because before then, you either got, like, a shitty tube, like, you got one, people made them, but they were, like, giant fucking tube, like, vacuum tube contraptions, and no one wanted to buy a house to make a fucking song, you know? Uh, So you either did that, or you just made one yourself. All the, like, so much electronic music before the Moog, they just fucking made themselves. Everything by, like, Kraftwerk. They just made their own goddamn synthesizer instruments. The people in this soundtrack, they just hooked together they made their own circuitry, and they just they just beeped booped and that's that's the whole soundtrack. Yeah. It's fucking DIY. Um now we live now we live in our mini controller era and everything everything's artistically dead. There's no creativity Peter, anymore. Peter, God, God the, the kids Peter,
0: careful. Careful. You're getting awfully close to the edge of your soapbox.
1: No, I I do not hold any grudges against modern music Um, trends. Because now we can focus on composition instead of actually making the darn thing. That's what I had to say about the soundtrack. Rant over.
2: Yeah, there were some beeps and some boops in the soundtrack. I didn't
0: notice Uh. any like (laughs) no effect on me whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Is that I when I listen to the soundtrack I'm like, this isn't even like you know, stereotypical fifties theremin, fucking around. I could, I could also launch into a whole thing about the theremin. Uh, so we don't yeah, have time for that. You've... We have to move on to the womanizing and the random fucking yeah. wildlife.
2: Um, the monkey and the tiger and the kissing to stay healthy.
0: Well, that was explained. The monkey and the tiger, the Krell. I, I, there's no spoiler work well, necessary. This movie's sixty years old. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, this is an adaptation of The Tempest.
1: Okay. Um, that makes sense. Oh,
2: that's why that's why Shakespeare was credited.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, I saw that on the page. I'm like, someone like, make a joke? Make a jape? Interesting. I was like...
0: No, yeah. This is a loose adaptation of The Tempest, uh, which is one of Shakespeare's more famous works. Um,
1: one of his later ones, right? Yeah.
0: One of his final plays. Um... And <laughs> I I lost interest in reading it like a quarter of the way through. So.
1: <laughs> I remember Caliban and the Beast with Two Backs. <laughs> That's where that came from.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Um But here we have Leslie Nielsen, a very young Leslie Nielsen. Um in here with uh an Starring dramatic role, and you know, not bad. Pretty, pretty decent actor.
1: Hmm. I mean, he he had acumen. He was, what was it? It was a uh, zero hour or something. Was the movie that he was in the airplane was based on? Oh, I you know, did not He even had. He, yeah, he had quite a bit of uh, acting chops before he got into the comedy game, uh, which. I don't really think he had to do much going into the comedy game, because looking at this movie, it had all the trappings of one of those movies. But they just never like his acting. I don't think he changed it between those kinds of movies, just the context and more. They had more gags going on in the background (laughs) while he just was straight man to the camera. And whoever whoever came up with that idea, they're like, we'll just take him. We won't even have to say anything. He can be the same way as he was. He'll be the straight man, and we'll just put gags in the background. and We'll call it airplane. <laughs> Genius. And
0: then we'll make one th- with cops, and we'll call it the naked gun. <laughs> um, so smart. Yeah. it uh, Tremendous foresight on their part. Um mm-hmm. This movie, it's 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 got a lot of the same tenets of 50s sci-fi where it's not like a extravaganza of um, light and explosions and blasters and lasers. It's more of like a, uh, a human piece exploring um, through the lens of a different society uh, faults of human society, mm-hmm. uh, which is what a lot of... Early sci-fi, uh, in both in literature and film, was all about. Um, I think film more so because of technological limits. But they, I mean, these effects, I, like I said before, yeah, they're both really bad and really good. Like compared to miniatures and stuff, and more advanced editing techniques of like movies from like the '70s with practical effects, they're not as convincing. But when you think from the perspective of this is nineteen fifty six and this like really doesn't look all that bad.
2: <laughs> no, mar- I mean like the the, mar- the yeah. editing on like the the tiger, uh when it when it shot with the blaster and then phased away, like it's, it's goofy, it's whatever, but it's also nineteen fifty six. Like yeah. That that looks pretty good for for the time period and what they had working.
1: I didn't even know you could do yeah, some the of silhouette that shit. of the marauding monster rotoscoped onto like the, in in the energy field. Yeah, yeah,
2: I I really like that. I mean, Fucking top I've tier. I try to put my perspective in the mindset of somebody in like the 1950s, but even now, like if you look at what what is scary about things and what is. Uh, what you can kind of view as like horror, it's the the threat that can't be seen, the invisible enemy as we are dealing with mm-hmm. now. is okay. also
1: really convenient when you need a movie monster.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's convenient. Yeah, but it's also it, it's scary. And they they did but the they, Yeah, well they did
0: deliver like on it. Show it a little bit. Like if they if they had never shown it, it would have been like one thing. It's like yeah, like it's really convenient that they did that. But they delivered on it. They delivered the beast. Yeah. Um. In a way that, you know, for the time was very impressive.
1: I mean, I'm I'm not a I'm not versed in the movie magic of practical movie effects, but some of those are really nifty. Like the invisible footprints, I'm really not yeah. sure how they did that. Mike I think I know. My, I have some ideas.
0: Yeah, I have some guesses that I'm I'm pretty sure that
1: it looked like I it was do. a sinkhole. Yeah, I think so. I think what they did is they had a flat floor a, and they had a cutout of the foot underneath it on like paper and they pulled that down
0: yeah. yeah um or
2: but i mean still, it looked it looked like something was stepping in that was invisible and like that that dread that you can't see is really uh uh suspenseful and yeah. i i liked it it was it was a good effect uh and there was a good way to to show that there's an enemy, a monster that's this size uh, without without it's showing
0: about it. This big.
2: <laughs> and without having to do like a, a miniature up close and have it be really crazy or a person in a costume. Like,
0: even like the sliding of like, like when they were doing the planets in the view scope, and it's like, you know, it's just like a paper background and they're sliding like a cardboard cutout across it. But you're like, mm-hmm. this f- that's actually probably the most convincing effect you could have ever conceived of with the technology at the time. Like this doesn't look terrible.
1: No. I and I'm thinking about the sort of aesthetics of the movie too. One thing that stood out to me immediately when I um, uh, when I when I first saw the first couple scenes. Uh, I'm trying to find two images here for comparison for you guys was the big navigator globe in the middle, right? With the, uh, with the, what you the the uh, viewing globe. (laughs) Yeah. The viewing globe um, on the bridge of the, I don't even remember what the name of the ship was. I think it just sort of had a numeric designation, but the viewing globe reminded me like, how often do you see that in modern sci-fi today? But with like a digital it's like a digital globe instead of you know an actual physical mm-hmm. one like think of the bridge of the Normandy right yeah it's a big galaxy display that's floating in the center of the bridge um I th- and I think that's all you know in a building upon like astrolabes on like an uh, like an old school ships' crew right and like gyroscope sort of the navigating gyroscope but um Was it yeah thing in the background yeah that big globe yeah. That it just it moved in the same way as when you I, I could see it. I could see a remake of this movie. A lot of things I could see a remake of this movie on. Like, and one of them would be sort of that updated graphic where it would be a digital map of, like, the surrounding solar system and their ship would be in the center. Yeah. Yeah. um A lot of detail was paid to uh, the mechanisms and the way that things moved and the way that the machines moved. It's almost like... Uh, everyone in the movie and everyone watching the movie was involved in some sort of event where they all had to be working on heavy machinery <laughs> and very complex parts to to operate large sort of hydraulic maneuvers. In some, for some reason, I don't. I yeah, don't know.
0: certainly not any sort of global turmoil shortly preceding no. this that would necess- necessitate like total war effort.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't influence the way that you know their perceptions of. Of the 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 military, the space force in this show at all either, no. <laughs> so, certainly not. When the cookie comes on, the that's how I knew this movie was going to be something. When they're on the br- the presumably the bridge, I would thought there'd be the rest of the ship, but I guess this is just the entirety of the that's ship nice. except for maybe the galley and the quarters. It's the only and the made. cook, <laughs> it, the cook is on the bridge, and I just look. at I'm like, first he's like sitting down and hanging out with the other dudes. Okay, I'm like, okay, he's on break, whatever why he's taking a break on the bridge. It's a different (laughs) question, but he's basically just wherever everyone else is. And I'm like, you need to be in the galley kid. You need to be drinking and peeling synthetic potatoes. (laughs) Uh, So I think we could talk about the plot. Yeah.
0: So Leslie Nielsen plays commander JJ um, Adams and his crew is on a rescue mission to save the crew of a, I don't know if it's a colonization or research vessel that was sent to Altair 4. Uh, they show up there and they find only one survivor. And uh, he warns them that they are to stay away from the planet. And uh, they insist that they carry out their mission. He's like, okay, I won't be held responsible for anything that happens to you or your crew. And uh, his behavior is kind of strange. He seems rather friendly, but the cold shoulder in the beginning kind of has the crew uneasy. Mm -hmm. Uh, As the movie progresses, strange things start happening. Invisible monsters attack Uh, planetary force, as it was referred to by the Mm -hmm. man um, whose name escapes me. Is that Morbius?
2: Yes, that's Morbius. Dr. Morbius played by Walter Pigeon.
1: The living vampire. Um, oh, what was I going to say this is oh, yeah, the a lot of the plot beats reminded me of classic, ro- like romantic horror, not classic horror. I don't think that's a thing, <laughs> but romantic horror like Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, some of Lovecraft stuff where they the crew comes to the planet and they see the guy and he is absolutely like he's throwing up red flags left and right. Not what he seems. And it's because he made a dark contract With great powers greater than himself And powers that man was never meant to tamper with Yeah
0: That's Um, that's a lot of I
1: mean it's a classic tale There's a reason that shit is super duper fucking popular Yeah
0: Uh, So uh, the Krell Were the species that inhabited this planet Previously and they were Millions of years more technologically Advanced than humans And uh, Morbius experimented with their technology And gained newfound intelligence and had begun to, he was a linguist or studied languages um, back on earth. And he was able to figure out and to do some of their writings and learn of their plans to create a society where they could just like transcend the need for physical material.
1: Right. Instrumentality as they called it, which mm-hmm. when I, when i when I heard instrumentality, my brain did, in fact, jump to Neon Genesis Evangelion. And the human instrumentality project was a thing in that movie where uh, you eliminate all boundaries between consciousness and everyone just becomes a giant, not, not a hive mind, because there's no direction in it. It just becomes a mental soup. <laughs> That's the whole. That was the whole point of instrumentality, was to turn Earth's consciousness into a mental soup so everyone could be... Be the closest with each other. We can never. There's no interpersonal conflict because there are no. It's like one turn empathy up to a hundred percent. There's nothing to do with this though.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> um. And as Peter alluded to, he was tampering with technology that was never meant for mankind, and it was not meant for Krellkind either, as um we learned that this apparatus. Allowed for the invisible monsters of their the psyche of their id, which was, I kind of chuckled that because my uh, girlfriend and I were having a discussion about how much of a fucking crazy dirtbag Sigmund Freud was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was a real he was a real crummy scumboy who did a lot of weird shit, but he had some bold theories and they kind of made sense in this in the uh, psychology psychological community. So they're like. Fuck it, we don't have a better idea what's going a, on. A lot sure. of his
0: stuff has since kind of been like pushed aside, but there are still disciples of, that believe in his explanation of the subconscious. Yeah. Um, so the id is your primal instinct, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I yeah. spent—I haven't—I haven't taken a psychology class since my senior year of high school, so <laughs> my memory's a little fuzzy on this. Uh, but because of this technology, those beasts were given form, I guess. They're given life, I guess. They weren't really given form because they're invisible. But
1: <laughs> the yeah, the machine uh, hoping to enact the will of its uh, master, it was following its programming to the best of its ability. But the flaw was with humans. Yes, because we have the unconscious drives that. Act against law order and god there is there's i i noticed that when they found the planet they're like what a what a good world god's made and i was like i saw that immediately as disney being like hey guys hey audience jesus ain't dead in the 22nd century all right it's okay the the <laughs> scourge of atheism has not taken over all of space
0: the one place We're still left God from the sp- American
1: American space. We're
0: going to flee to the one space free from the spread of atheism. Space, space. <laughs> um, when,
2: uh, when, uh, what are they called? Uh, missionaries. Missionaries have nowhere else to
1: go on Earth. <laughs> to go must out to spread
0: space. Spread Christianity to the aliens.
1: Oh, that's a that's another. I gotta figure out that short story. I know. Uh, I only remember the short story. For what happens in it, um, but uh, I'll I'll lay out the premise, and you can probably search it out yourselves from there. It's a great one. Uh, so a Jesuit priest. It's the account of a Jesuit priest who's in a space in a spacefaring time. Uh, he visits a planet that makes him lose his faith in God because he sees something that he could not reconcile with, you know, a, a loving God. And he's like this. I can't do it anymore. Yeah,
0: that's um, kind of a similar case to how I personally lost my religion.
1: Oh yeah. I'm sure if you find, I'm sure if you found, we able to find that story, I might look it up and share it with you guys. I, you may find some common ground with, with what he comes with the conclusion he comes to. Um, um, but
0: yeah. So I think the detail, very important detail that we just kind of glossed over and I was pleasantly surprised by this movie is in color.
1: Yes. Oh, true yeah okay this was uh this was eastman color yeah it's, it's amazing i'm thinking about this time period in history because i so eastman it was in rochester which is in new york because eastman kodak you know they were basically they were they the cutting were that edge town. of film and physical you know projection you know science at the time uh And I also learned while I was I went on a fucking bender to figure out about, you know, the electronic music and the score of this was that the Moog synthesizer, like I said before, a super popular instrument that was used by like everyone was also made in like T-Berg, otherwise known as Truman'sburg, which is like a half an hour from my house. (laughs) Cool. I go there all the time. And I did not know that they fucking invent the dude invented the Moog there. That's huge. They should put that on like a plaque somewhere. Maybe they did. It's one of those New York State plaques that are like on a random street corner. And you're like, wow, heritage.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're in some, those plaques are in some weird places, man. You ever go, you ever like, you're driving through the plains, like the barren wasteland, farmlands in New York, and you just see one on the side of the road. It's like on this site in 1876, Schmergen Meckeldorf. <laughs> Fucking, he made He he successfully transmuted lead into gold here <laughs> He completed the final process of alchemy And created the Philosopher's Stone In a backwards church He died from drinking hard cider He died
0: from too much equivalent exchange
1: His own moonshine He used equivalent exchange To start his own brewery Which we now know today Is Anheuser-Busch
0: <laughs> His legacy carries on in every can Push.
2: <laughs> that, that psh- is the soul, is the leaving, soul from the- <laughs> leaving the can that was used to transmit it
0: every bush beer this is true every, every bush beer is contaminated with the sins of, of hubris
1: cold rice brewing is equivalent exchange
0: it is a forbidden art or it should be a forbidden art like Alclame. Because you don't make your beer of rice. It's disgusting. That shit's for sake. I
1: think I took Jake's soul. Uh,
0: yeah, you did. You
1: I'm so ah! <laughs> I'm so glad. Um the other thing we missed was <laughs> the the just the buckets of of like fifties. Era classic fifties like sexism. It's it's cl- like I said. It's classic. Now I didn't I didn't well, miss that.
2: Not in I, didn't miss I that. <laughs> um
1: I have a thing about this. I'm sure you do. I mean, of course. So take let's. I'll put it out here first. It is taken for granted that this is bad opinions. These are bad views that no I no should no longer hold. That the world's moved on from. Cool product of its time. Really bad. That's not the extra issue I have with it. My personal issue on top of all this is that they spend a lot of time on it. Like they spend a lot of time talking about how like she's a woman and she shouldn't be going on like trips with guys and like she doesn't and how she doesn't know. Well, I mean, I think that doesn't explain all this. The doesn't
0: know part had more to do with her being isolated from humanity. I felt um, it was a weird contrast, though, between like casual sexism and like fairly noble chival- chivalry.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a heady sort of soup there. Yeah. Um, it's certainly I just, of uh, another era. Um, it took me by surprise, and we reference so we've made a lot of reference, especially to one scene where um well, the lieutenant starts making out with her behind a tree.
2: I didn't I didn't sit well with me.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. Felt so cuz he's like taking advantage of her because he's like kissing he, to trick her into giving him a kiss. Uh she, he's like it's a class it's a traditional activity it gets the blood flowing, it gets your body moving, it's just great all get some aerobics get body it's stimulation a great time, and she And, and she's, she's not like,
2: saying sh- no. She just uh, doesn't know what it means,
1: and then he fucking just like yeah, he goes in for the kiss, and he just like grabs her, he bear hugs her, I'm like no,
2: and then she's so like I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, wait, let me try again. N- you obviously aren't understanding where this is. She's coming. not it's, moved it's by it. Really Put your stummy. hands
0: on me. <laughs> she's not moved by it, and I'm like, uh, but she is moved by being dressed down by the commander.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and, like, she only falls in love with him after she becomes, she dresses less promiscuously, and she she starts wearing her full-length linen gown. Well,
0: that was, I think that was made because she fell in love with him. I think the fact that he spoke to her in that way made him attractive to her. It's like the, you know, the whole girls go for the bad guy thing, I think. I don't know, nagging, early nagging, 1950s nagging. I was thinking,
1: like girl a girl needs a man who can be in charge and like uh take you know supply, provide for her or be authority for her or something like that because i think they needed to make the themes of this movie a, just a little clear earlier on the the themes are very well exposed during the last about 10 minutes where um you know morbius's character flaw is that he was controlling. He, you know, he wanted everything done his way, and once his daughter was no longer his to control, he, you know, she's given up her own soul to, to JJ Adams. Um, he must turn on it because he he no long it's no longer his. It's no longer under his domain, and I th- I would have liked to see that characterization a little earlier on. Um, um, well, I mean,
0: I it me became kind of obvious to me at least that he had a role in this and that the reason the events happened the way that they did was because it wasn't what he wanted. Like as soon as they're like, you know, it started shortly after the crew voted to return to earth. I'm like, okay. So he like killed his crew somehow. Okay. Um, I yeah. don't know. I, that se- it seemed obvious to me. I,
1: I didn't quite make that connection. Um, but I did agree that like, it was definitely him that did it. That was, that was really fucking obvious when he's like, uh, everything's fine here. Don't come down. (laughs) It's, it's,
0: it's actually, uh, when we get to a certain point in Mass Effect 2, it kind of reminded me of a loyalty mission there where a certain character's father had been missing and presumed dead for a long time. And then you go to find him on the planet and he's not quite in need of rescue in the way that you imagined
1: Um yeah, I they're also it also has the lovely so this movie also has the lovely 50s quirk of um they really I didn't like it at the time for when I was watching this movie I was I was getting a little annoyed by the pace I I knew what I was getting into, but it, it was like, all right I got you. I got it. okay cool let's move on um was you know, they like to relish and to really uh sort of bask in. The function, the functionality, and features of the wonders of technology, uh, as expressed through them exposing a lot of shit about Robbie, which I'm glad a lot of it. Uh, there's a lot of it that came back, like they they brought it back. I was worried in the beginning. I'm like, is this steel shut? Like, is the house with the steel shutters ever gonna be a thing? I said, are they gonna call back to that? Is Robbie like his programming ever gonna come back? Call back, and they call back to that in a great way yeah. at the end. Love, love that. Um, yeah. So I, I guess when looking back on it, it did pay off when, but when it was going, I was like, I mean, where's, where are you? Heading that's with a this? different, what you doing? That, that's
0: a different taste thing. Uh, cause that's honestly what I love a lot about this era of sci-fi is how, you know, detailed, they build the lore, you know, <laughs> it's like, they really, this is a half hour movie. They're, there's no need for them to explain and the level of detail they explain these features, but they they go the extra <coughs> mile. They pay that extra attention to detail, um, and that's something that I enjoyed about this movie, and that I've enjoyed about the the day they Earth stood still. Um, but that movie kind of had it had different themes and stuff, but for sure, similar. I think similar. Uh, dialogue yeah. heavy pacing
1: hmm Um I think this would be worth a reboot. Or I, at least a try. I worry if you gave it to a competent yeah, studio.
0: I, I just I worry because I could see I have flashbacks to when they they probably looked at the day the Earth Stood Still and said the exact same thing. And then what came out was this hot garbage mess. Starring Keanu Reeves.
2: <laughs> so yeah. here's what I think would happen if they tried to reboot it is I think they would probably dip too much into the Krell. And the Krell was like a really cool part of this movie where it was like super mysterious. You know, this ancient race of, of uh, super intelligent aliens that died off. And-
0: Which is kind of a sci-fi. It became a sci-fi trope because when I was watching this movie, I'm like, oh, yeah. so they're like the Prophians. And that's <laughs> the fact.
1: Um,
2: and it's like no, the Protheans are. Like the yeah. Al- the-
1: Although I think in this case they're more Ozymandian than the Protheans in that they were the ones who brought about their own downfall because of their their pride in their in their society and their false belief false belief that they were just because they acted benevolently and were kind that they were innately kind yeah. people.
0: Although there is a, they're not the Protheans. Obviously, weren't they like immediate cause of their own downfall, but they're uh, hubris in their ability to uh, prevent calamity or refusal to accept it. Uh, certainly swiftened the decline.
1: For sure. Fairly. Very true. Um, yeah. Going back to a remake, I could see there are two ways that these, that a remake could be, could happen. One where they pull all the aesthetics and they go for visual recognition And they they play that all up for audience uh, connection. And that's bad. I don't want that. That's the wrong way to do it because they'll. That's what we've seen with a lot of these sci fi remakes, like War of the Worlds. And again, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, Forbidden Planet, I don't think, has the same cachet in people's minds. Um when i think forbidden plan i just the first thing i think of is like pul- the pulpy sci-fi movies yeah with the but i could know, see their stereotypical with stuff. robbie the
0: robot like going on to appear in other things <laughs> um i think like that has a lot of cachet and i could see the movie much like they did in the day they were still with Gort. uh see the movie really shift a lot of focus onto robbie uh, that would just kind of change the whole dynamic of the film.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, on the other hand, if you gave this to a smaller studio who was who had passion and less of a drive to make a commercial success off of it, I think you have it's all it has all the trappings of of good sci fi has the same through lines like I could see this in a 70s sci fi movie where it's very like contained it's very much a bottle sort of uh, encounter that really delves into the themes of humanity and our our conscious desires versus our unconscious desires, and you know, is man do laws make the man or does man make the laws, and all of that sort of those lovely themes. You can pack that into a nice tight script. I agree with good characters that it could
0: work, and everything you're saying is correct but i don't know if these conditions can exist
1: <laughs> yeah that's and that's the that's the crux of it like the i would not want this remade unless they could uh, approach it with yeah, it, care and res- actual fucking respect for the source material
2: yeah it's it's all about respect and not overplaying certain things and you know keeping the spaceship uh, a flying saucer which was a cool kind of reference i guess because it's like now humans are the ones invading instead of the other way around how we usually see it yeah mm-hmm. and like keeping the robot the same type of robot not having to be like some android thing or something but have it be have it like a glass dome and lasers and bubble legs and shit like that yeah, because there's yeah. there's a lot of charm to some of the stuff that I think a remake would hurt. Um, with kind of just sprucing it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I could
0: see an over reliance on effects coming in.
2: Yeah, and and I think if 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 they were to over rely on the effects like explosions and having the I'm thinking of the monster scene yeah. like having that just be it's gonna look like the Predator like mess.
0: shimmering sort of thing. Yeah.
2: And have it have it to the point where it would look uh cheesy and and almost comical to an extent, uh of of what it looks like. But you know, I think there is a way. There's a path, but it's a very narrow path, and it's a very it's a path we don't see happen. That would often I like with the, in the world to see
0: an updated version of Forbidden Planet? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I have very little confidence that it could be handled with the write him an attack to update it because you have to change parts of it obviously you can't leave in all the stuff of Altera that would
1: oh yeah of well you could <laughs> in a way I know think about it. think about a woke a woke Disney or like a woke uh, production company really playing up the mansplaining aspect and like but then having her try and subvert him be like a strong a strong female character oh, yeah,
2: you could.
0: Yeah. Oh.
1: right and then just having it fall flat on its face because they're just doing it for for meaningless points. Yeah,
0: well, like, I mean, <laughs> it's not a good outcome if you leave it in there, because uh, either you do it in a way that's distasteful or you try to overcorrect and it comes out, you know, arguably just as bad. Um, Yeah, who
2: is the one who is the one who tried to kiss? All, who, who did kiss?
1: That was the lieutenant, okay. I believe. Lieutenant, so it wasn't like the main character. She did she end up, she end up yes.
2: with
1: that guy or no? Uh, she ended up with the main guy, and so, they make weird ass jokes about like uh, everyone's hanging out with her, but you're the one who gets her, eh, eh Captain? Eh,
0: eh. Command has its benefits, eh? Benefits of rank. God, I so see ya. You. You're Slunk. gonna bend her over that tree trunk. <laughs>
1: I, I can in see Zap. Bra-
2: Let's
1: get Yeah, in this that, I was thing. doing yeah. my- like <laughs> if I can't see it, it can't hurt me. These are the ineffable rules of Peekaboo. Was,
0: yeah, I was doing my bad Zap Brannigan there. <laughs> if I don't see it, it can't see me. That's what my mother taught me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Kiff, go fetch the whiskey robot. <laughs> I'm thirsty.
0: I thirst for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I'm. Sub- you know what? I'd be shocked if I went through the entire catalog of um, Futurama episodes and did not find a Forbidden Planet-inspired episode with some of those jokes in it. I'd be disappointed, that really, be... if I didn't.
1: Yeah, that would be really tight. I'd like to see that.
0: If Borderlands so 2 can have a the, uh, gun referencing Argo Man, then Futurama can have an episode right. referencing this. Yes, Jake?
2: The um, the the did-you-know stuff, uh, like the different trivia things, uh-huh. the, it only had that it was uh, uh, Simpsons referenced it. It only had... Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was only a Simpsons. Same people who made
0: Futurama, was. so perhaps it was just more subtle.
1: And uh, the last, the one other piece of legacy is, of course, Star Trek. This is this, like we said, it's a large Star Trek episode in which the spaceship runs across a problem, down to a planet, investigate with a guy, have a moral story about science, and a little adventure. Some guy, some of the crew dies, and then they make it out of there with a lesson learned and knowledge yeah. gained, but some knowledge also lost. It's Forever. kind of
0: funny that uh, th- this was arguably a better approach than many of the actual Star Trek movies took to making a Star Trek-style movie. Yeah. Yeah, so this was a uh, thanks for the suggestion. Uh, this was a a uh, fun piece of, of history to look back on. Um, and... Uh, you know, if you have any suggestions, feel free to contact us. We're on Twitter at studsaturn, Studs Saturn, at gmail.com, email address, all contact information, of course, available on our website, saturnstuds.com. Uh, so if you have something you'd like us to take a look at, let us know. You have influence. Um, and we'll be back streaming tonight. Around 8 p.m., what we're going to do exactly, undecided. Uh, there's a new event in Borderlands 3. I was thinking maybe we could check that out. We could possibly do our uh, long batted about uh, redemption run of Shining Force 1 on the GBA. There's there's options in the air. Uh, but we're going to do something. We're going to do a decently long game. And then after we finish that we'll be into may possibly june and then we'll start mass effect Two, and then after that we'll have more stuff to do i'm sure hooray um yeah but yeah until such time as those things come out be well stay safe continue to practice good hygiene and good health um and uh Soon, I think we're we're close to coming out the starting to come out the other side of this. I
1: think Yay! So. I like stuff to come out the other side of me, which means I have to use the bathroom. After Excuse me. <laughs> yes, I would like to. <laughs> use Alrighty
0: <some> then. <laughs> Until <laughs> next time, beep. On,
1: on that and on that bombshell. We will stay
0: safe, party like it's nineteen ninety-five, folks.
1: Peace. Bye bye. Poop jokes.